The opinions expressed on this program the, the opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. You've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for coffee with a dog. You make me laugh. Oh my God! Got to be PD doing that, pushing buttons behind the scenes, not knowing how to work StreamYard. I don't know how to work. I don't need other people who don't know how to work this thing. Not working this thing. Oh, I'm angry. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, good morning, folks. Well, good morning for you, maybe. Not so much for me. It's Thursday. It's crappy out. It's November. I'm in a bad mood. Uh, We got another train wreck of a show today. (laughs) That's a good way to uh, keep the audience. We got a train wreck of a show. Actually, we do. Uh, My first guest today will be a filmmaker who... GT is popping in with windows all over the place, pushing buttons he shouldn't be pushing. Back to um, what, what we can expect today. I, uh, my first guest will be a filmmaker I know precious little about. Uh, done some digging, as I always do, trying to figure out uh, what the hell uh, is the backstory with my guest. I know he's a filmmaker. I know he's an actor and a writer and a producer. I know he's got a new film out. Um... But you dig deep, and you, that's all you get. My second guest is a comedian who I know almost as little about. Uh, in a late edition, uh, her manager, her booking agent, whatever he is, uh, James DiBenedetto, uh, contacted me and said she's got some shows on. This was just yesterday or the day before. Actually, it was yesterday. Um so she's a late addition to the program. So I know very little about her as well. On top of that, we got GD in the back just pushing buttons, having things come up on the screen. Again, I am as confused as it, we need to be. We don't need to add more confusion on top of me. When we talk about incompetent, when we talk about um, somebody who, who really needs producer working the things for him that's me 
and then people come in and they throw a monkey wrench at you and you're like i don't know what to do with that so we're already off to a bad start um the republican party as i predicted yesterday is already doubling down on what got them uh a shellacking two days ago and uh it's not just it's not just stupid it's crazy and it's contagious crazy Yesterday, Trump had a rally, and Roseanne gave the gave a little pre-Trump speech. And uh, if you know anything about Roseanne, I don't have to tell you that it was full of batshit crazy. It was just, it, you know, it was Roseanne's batshit crazy 2.0 or 3.0. She she cranked it up a notch. Uh, Trump then went on to say that he wanted Tucker Carlson to be his running mate. Then they had the Republican Party where half of them were doubling down on, uh, they're not extreme enough on abortion, uh, even though it's very clear why they lost the, <laughs> on Tuesday in all significant races and, uh, you know, they lost Virginia's state house and all that kind of stuff. It's because of that one issue that uh, is really bringing Gen X, Gen Z, I'm sorry, Gen Z out to vote uh, against them. It's totally confused and totally stupid. You can't, again, learning from your mistakes is a sign of intelligence. Not learning and repeating the same mistakes over and over again, as I do every day here on this program, come to think of it. Maybe, maybe not that bright. I'm not that bright. Anyway, uh, so, you know, this is where we're at today, and I'm I'm a little bit, um, well, this is our 498th morning program. Uh, we're coming into 500, like, just barely getting there. The, the finish line, and it's not the finish line, it's just a significant um, uh, mile marker, I guess. But it seems like uh, we're going to be crawling across that that mile marker and saying, oh, we made it. And then I'll lay down and die. On top of all that, my wife quit her job, which means it, which means she's going to be home every day. And we're going to drive each other crazy. So it won't be long before I am probably, I don't know, victim of a murder-suicide pact or something. Yes, I said it. I said it. You want to ban me from YouTube or Rumble or wherever? I'm not supposed to say that. Go ahead. Speaking of that, I woke up to an email from <laughs> Facebook Business saying that Mind Dog TV has been uh, a victim of, uh, not a victim, has vic- has broken the rules of community standards by being. Um, Racially abusive, intolerant, hate speech, uh, none of that is true. And actually, the email is not true. It's a very real-looking email from Meta Business Suite. But the uh, if you look really deep into the email address where it came from, it's Meta, no reply at Meta Financial Services, blah, 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 dot outlook dot com. Yeah, Facebook would use Outlook to send me uh, 
a message that my page is being taken down because of all the rules I broke and the worst rules. It wasn't just like uh, like Kelly, you know, posting porn on my personal page or whatever she, or, and Kelly Conway's kids or whatever. Oh, am I a grumpy old man? So as I'm being a grumpy old man, I might as well bring in uh, the men of the hour. And when I say men of the hour, I mean the guy who pushes buttons that get on my screen. Oh, excuse me. Good morning, Will. Hold on a second. I'm holding on. Did you did what? you say that there was porn on my fan page? Uh, well, it's my porn. It's the coffee ads. Oh, oh, okay. But right. Kelly, Kelly is uh, reposting it, and then somebody, one of my, uh, I guess, a fan of the band or something, said, "What are you trying to sell here?" And it's like it's coffee. Just because there's a girl in her underwear on the table drinking coffee, um, doesn't mean it's not a coffee. Yeah, I mean that's what you do, yeah. isn't it? When you get up in the yeah. morning, you get yourself a cup of coffee. Do you not get in your underwear, sit on the kitchen table, and uh, I don't know, look seductive? Yeah. I thought so. Well, right. you know what GD does? First, he gets up and wait. B- before you do that, he gets up. He looks at his hair. He says, man, my hair looks beautiful. I'm going to push some bad buttons. Let me see. Just push some bad buttons here. Like, All right, how about this? Uh, StreamYard leaves comment. What the fuck is that? And, and I don't know what's going on. And that's uh, that's what he does. Good morning, GD. How are you? Good morning, Mind Dog Coffee. I don't always drink coffee, but when I do, I get the shits. No. Mind Dog Coffee. When you do, you get in your underwear and you sit on the kitchen table. <laughs> that's wine. I thought that was wine. That's not wine. No. I've been drinking I, the wrong stuff. No, no that's the. <laughs> oh, that, no, no, that's true. That's true. That's, yeah, that's also, that's coffee. So I got to clean up my act a little bit with the coffee ads. People are getting a little perturbed uh, about it. And I, I do apologize <laughs> about the mix-up. I my phone for some reason was didn't, didn't no want to hold on to the four Gs. I'm There's saying, no apologizing in, in in live streaming or podcasting or radio. Or not, there's none of that. It's like no crying in baseball. We will have none of that. It's just, oh my god, okay. dude, that's one of my that's one of my favorite parts of that fucking movie, A League of Their Own. There's no crying in baseball. Oh my god. Uh, my sister and I, I don't know if I ever told you this, uh, my sister and I, because remember I told you that I, I used movies to escape as a youth, we saw that movie nine times in the theater. My sister and I went to a league of their own nine times together in the movie theater. I think we might have snuck in one of those times. Oh, you paid, um, I was going to say, you paid, because yeah, no, we, we paid. we paid most of those times. Well, I think I, think I paid. That's insane. I I don't know. She might have paid for it. So I, because I, I was making like paper out money and stuff like that. That's how I usually paper out money. The big money. But let me let me tell you what we did though. We were shit ass fucking kids because after you see a brand new movie for like the fourth time in a week, you start to know the lines pretty good. Yeah. Right. And I know. Can more. you imagine the? Furious anger felt by theater patrons on the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth time when my sister and I would sit in a movie that you fucking paid to see also and say the lines like a half second before the fucking actors on almost every like major kick line, like every line that gets like a response. 
we would say that shit just ahead of it and people around us were losing their fucking minds i bet like how in the fuck are you doing like what is going on like you'd be like in the movies watching shark island and you would yell out the most dangerous sharks aren't on the island I've what's shark? I've never seen Shark Island. Is a real? He lives in a whole different cultural world. Shark Island is a real movie. You haven't seen it yet? No, I don't. For one, okay, I don't watch Shark Week. I don't watch Shark Week. I don't watch. Not not uh, twenty fifteen. No, twenty twenty. Oh my god! Listen, I've also never seen a Jaws movie on purpose. You are lame. So I mean, guys are so lame. First, you haven't seen Shark, Shark Island. No, I've never even heard of it. You're probably the only two people I've talked to. Yeah, somebody said that to me about Sharknado once, too, and I didn't care about that either. I was like... I had the star of Sharknado on the program. I'm going to bet that Paul Collette has seen Shark Island. I'm going to bet he's seen it. So at least I'll have somebody to talk to about it. I obviously can't hold an intelligent conversation with you two about it. Oh, wait, I did Sharknado. I went with Shark Island. If if this ends up being one of Paul's films... Then I'm gonna re- really be embarrassed about this. <laughs> oh my god, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the worst? That'd be the worst. Shock Island, no, it doesn't. Shock Island official. Shock Island is a hard rock band. No, Shock it Island is a hard rock band. Game. Yeah. Shock <laughs> Island music. There's no Shock Island film. Oh, here it is. Um, Shock Island. Oh, is it is it one of Paul's films? You fucker. <laughs> That's so fucked. That's so fucked. Why would you do that? What the dick? Well, it's a zombie shark. I don't see. I don't see Paul's name on here anywhere though. Maybe. Oh, he played Zachary. I think. I think I'm just gonna go for the rest of the show. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I told you. Let me just tell you. I told. I pre- prefaced this that said this was gonna be a train wreck of a show. Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah. Yeah, no, GD's oh. just sabotaging us left and right here. <laughs> no, no, fuck him. Fuck him. He, he's, this is his last day. That's probably his know. last day, isn't it, boss? <laughs> now, I don't see Paul's name listed in anything here as a writer, director, uh, uh, an actor in this. Are you sure about this? Or are you just on <laughs> some kind of hair drugs or something? Well, I did get my hair done yesterday. Thank you very much. It looks so good. Um, <laughs> He's got his braids tied too tight. Yeah, they are tight. They are real tight. Matter of fact, I, every time, every time I go in to get this done and they tighten it up, I look four years younger because they just pull the wrinkles right out of right out of my face. Oh just, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, pull the yeah. I go, I go in like Little this. This is fire like action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for my close-up, Mister Demille. <laughs> No, I think you're lying to me about this whole thing. Uh, we'll, we'll find out when he gets in here in just a minute. Um, the truth will set you free. What was that? Sorry. You're muted. Um, so I have a ne- lot of characters in my head. Neither of you guys want to like bow down to me or how I prognosticated uh, correctly. Um, the Republican reaction to their own mistakes. You don't want to say we, like, it was, a, I, we all knew that. We we all, you know, you didn't just read the tea leaves. You read the tea leaves that everybody uh, already saw. What you're saying is I'm not special. Oh no, you're special. No, you're very no, you're special. special. Yeah, yeah. You get the you get the best seat on the short we're, bus, but that's not. We're all we're all special in our own way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all have a seat on the short bus. That's not a problem. 
<laughs> All right. Um, well, anyway, I don't know. The, the idea of, first of all, uh, Rogan, uh, uh, Viv, whatever his name is, Vivi, Vivek, uh, wants Rogan to be the moderator of the uh, Republican debates from now on. Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Rogan and I forget, it wasn't Tucker Carlson, another right-wing guy he wanted. And the thing is, they forget that Rogan, just four years ago, five years ago, maybe a little longer, was uh, a Bernie Sanders guy. So, uh, he, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, I think Rogan would be annoyed that the, the Republicans were calling him out as a Republican. I just, I don't know. He hasn't reacted. I mean, he definitely doesn't identify, he doesn't self-identify that way at all. Definitely not. I'm right. not sure he self-identifies as human, but that's okay, too. That, that's true. Uh, but so No, he that, probably feels a little superhuman. I'm then sure. after he, he went on saying that he wanted Rogan to, to moderate the debates, he wants a wall on the Canada side. I don't know if he got... He, he wants a Canadian wall. Not just a wall on the southern border, but on the northern border as well. To separate Canada from Antarctica? I mean, from Arctic, from the Arctic? Is no, that from, from America. Uh, not on the, not from uh, Alaska. Just from uh, on, <laughs> on the Sioux Falls just, side. Just from Detroit, really, is all there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can yeah. understand that. <laughs> just, yeah. just, and actually, it's Canada that wants the wall built so that they don't have to look at Detroit anymore. <laughs> ah. All right. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So and they came out with a whole bunch of you know. Uh, if you put the wall there, wouldn't that interrupt the the free drug exchange where we would be getting their good Viagra and they'd be getting our good crack? Isn't? I don't know. I it's not. Well, first of all, uh, I don't think any walls are going to stop anybody ever. They never. I mean, you could you can talk about prison walls and no. Yeah. I mean, we've. How many fucking tunnels, how many fucking drug cartel tunnels have we fucking found in this area already? And our answers build a fucking wall. They're already going underground, you fucking idiots. Right, right, right. right. And like, fucking duh. Yeah. Duh, duh, duh. And it, would, and it would stop all of the submarines that they that would be coming in with the drugs also, I mean, dude, and the boats and the ships. And then the, the drugs issue it, it cracks me up because, like, I want to ask them: Do you think anybody like the cartels are twisting people's arms and saying buy drugs, or is it does it work the other way around? The people are saying give us drugs, give us drugs, and the, the well, the, yeah, I mean they're bringing it here because America has a huge demand, a demand for drugs. If there wasn't a demand exactly. for drugs, they're not. I mean, they're they're going to go where they can sell it. I mean. It, it, you know, they keep okay. on acting like, I, I, I like have to, it's being forced upon us. I have to address this issue about about demand for drugs. It's also the girls for drugs, the boys for drugs, and the women for drugs. It's not just demand for drugs, okay? All the genders, all these people want the drugs. It's not just demand. It's the women, the boys, the girls. You understand why he's not as funny as Tom Segura now. You get it? <laughs> oh, my God. You get oh my, it? Dude, I was just confused. I was like, when did we say anything about... Demand. Where is this coming Demand from? for drugs. Demand for drugs. Oh my god. Are you having like parts of this conversation in your head that you're not like telling us about? Because that helps. That helps yeah. keep us all up to speed. You know what happened? My wife got yo, listen, I had to learn this because I used to do the same thing. I would fucking just like out of like five minutes of silence, I would start 
about three quarters of a way into a conversation that I was having with my wife in my head. Right. And she's got to catch up when I finally say something. All right, wrap you it know up. What I mean? We got I, we got to bring our guest in. We're twenty. Oh. I'm twenty minutes into this fucking thing already. How does that happen? Um, it's a clock. It does like this. It goes. When we I understand, talking. but I didn't yeah. talk that long. I mean, it, it's it's every time we let Willie open his mouth, it, the clock just goes. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, I really need to run a commercial. I'm gonna have to pick a really short one here. Uh, so we can get this thing uh, rolling and get, and get Paul in here and find out that he actually is in Shark Island. And hey, you, you, you know what I like about commercials? What? It's just more of me talking. That's true. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to unleash your creative excellence. Dreams won't work if you don't. They never happen overnight, and they rarely follow a straight line. Excellence is a result of the hustle, consistently pushing to do better. And success looks different for everyone. CreativeLive.com charts paths and tailors content for students, but they also encourage independent thinking and exploration. Go outside of your comfort zone. Who knows? You might actually like it. Right now, you can get up to 70% off through this exclusive offer for Coffee with the Dog. CreativeLive.com has site-wide sale for Coffee with the Dog listeners. Save up to 70% off. Go to MindDogTV.com and click on the link on the homepage now. All right. I got I got to address this really quickly before we bring uh, Paul, Paul in. Uh, Mike Chavola. I like Mike Chavola. He's a good guy. Really good guy. Uh, he doesn't. He's not a political thinker, and he's very, very... No, no political acumen whatsoever. He says, does a locked door stop people from walking in your house? Nobody will slow them down. Not if there's 50,000 of them every fucking minute. The, you could have a fucking door locked. The problem is not going to go away with a wall. The problem is people are desperate to come here by the millions, 12 million a year. You can have a fucking door, you can have a wall, you can have a fucking wall to the moon. You're not going to stop people till you deal with the problem of why they're coming here. Right. It's, it's, no, it's that's true. pathetic when you, you see a fucking comment like that, like, oh, do you have a fence around your yard? We're not talking about one person at a time, dude. Fucking wake up. We're talking about people are fleeing dictatorship and pop extreme poverty like you have no idea about right. it by the millions and coming here well, why because of the policies that we created in south of our border that make them want to flee those countries to come here until we deal with that you can fucking build a wall around the sun you're not going right. to stop fucking people from coming to america I got well and like that. when you think about when you think about the disparity you know Everybody's been taking a hit since 2020. You know what I mean? And and like the gap between the rich and the poor has has gotten wider. We got to bring a guest in, man. I just wanted oh, okay, to clear yeah, that I'm up. Sorry. I just wanted to respond yeah. to that one fucking thing. Paul Collette right, is right. an actor, producer, director. Uh, his film that he's got coming out is called Holiday Boyfriend. It is a romantic comedy that he stars in as well. And apparently, he has a film called Shark Island 
that is not out yet. Welcome, Paul Collette. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, give us an idea. Now, straighten us out on the Shark Island deal. What's what's the deal there? (laughs) So yes, I am in Shark Island. I uh, I was one of the producers on it, and I did do some of the rewriting and stuff and the script and stuff. But um, but uh, Jude um, Jude is the director, and he's the man behind it. But it's going to come out soon. What, so. on, uh, why are you not on the IMDb page on it? I should be. I'll, I can check it again after, but I should be attached yeah, not- to it. You're not, which is why I, I thought the uh, hair boy there was uh, lying to us or something. Hair, or hair boy. Hair boy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a long way from now. It looks like, for, again, I'm trying Fun to do movie. my research on you. It seems like you are more uh, towards these horror type films or, you know, uh, thriller type films. And now you're in a romantic comedy. Did you write uh, Holiday Boyfriend? I did. I did. I've written most of the films that I've uh, produced. Um, yeah, I've done some horror and thriller and stuff. And we actually did a comedy years ago called Technicolor Llama as well. I really enjoy comedy. So did you say Technicolor movie. Llama? Technicolor Llama. Yep. That's awesome. That's not in the. <laughs> I want to watch it just off of the title, bro. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's about a uh, brother and brother and sister morticians who accidentally become art uh great artists the next big hit in the art world right uh all right anyway. all right so did this the sag uh thing just got resolved last night by the way yeah. SAG, SAG yeah. thing is well, that's what good. did that have any effect on you in the release of these films no um we shot the film in uh, january of last year yeah 22 and um it was right in the second phase of the pandemic explosion and uh that made it very exciting because we were a SAG film, so we we got shut down one day. <clears throat> we had to follow all these rules about being tested and everything, and it was uh, it was hectic. It made made it challenging to shoot the film. Wow! Um, so the romantic comedy uh, stuff. You said you like uh, yeah. uh, comedy, but a romantic yeah. comedy. Uh, I always think chick flicks. Is this uh, is this something that uh, guys will want to see on it? Like Will will go see nine times and not pay most of the time or half. The time. I think so. Yeah, because um, the it's sort of it's it's about Mandy fundamentally, who's the main female lead, but it's kind of about Nathan too. Um, so both the sort of characters have their own character arc and they they sort of intertwine with each other and uh they become they aren't necessarily the right person for each other at the beginning but by the end they are so. right so it, to give people an idea it's uh uh she got an, uh no boyfriend to bring to thanksgiving so she convinces her best friend to pose as a, a boyfriend right yeah That's... if i can elaborate a little bit on yeah because it's it's the tight description that I had to you know normally give, right? But uh, yeah, Mandy's basically she's she believes in the true love and romance thing, but after twenty years, she kind of has given up hope on it, kind of thing. Uh, she doesn't really believe in the follow your heart kind of philosophy, so she's looking more for good-looking gentlemen, you know, who's got money and wealth <laughs> and stuff, right? Right? Right. So that if when, when <coughs> eventually uh, falls apart, um, at least she won't be poor. And, right. uh, so that's kind of how yeah. she's turned. And so she's looking for a rich man and, um, her mom's we giving all? her pressure. Right. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's how most of them start, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So, Paul, you you'd mentioned that she was the she, some. You mentioned Nathan too. Now, did Nathan die, Nathan one die in um, the haunting of Hellhole Mine? <laughs> See, that's no, what I'm that talking was about. Someone else. That was <laughs> different. Nathan. Okay. That was Luke. Yeah. See, that, okay. that's a that's a uh, a big uh, gap or a, a, a large rivet across between Hellhole right. and uh, Holiday Boyfriend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but actually different stories yeah yeah it's, it's completely you generally when you see somebody uh especially in film they get into this role of you know what kind of films they're making these are very different films uh yeah, uh, yeah hellhole is actually a documentary that they wrote about my first wife's vagina yeah um, i was gonna say that but you beat me to it it would have been funnier if i would have said it by the way i thought That's it was true. my first high school Especially as I see what reveal a little bit about you and my first wife that I didn't know. Right. Paul, <laughs> uh, well, now uh, you you do everything on this on this uh, holiday boyfriend. You wrote it. You're in it. You you star in it. You directed it. All that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't in completely intentional. It's um, it's just resources. And when you're doing ultra low budget films, you know, you gotta you gotta do more than just the basics. Um, edit, edited pretty much most of the film too. So. Wow. You kind of kind of learn the skills as you go if you want to get the film done, you know? All right. So did you also make the snow or is that someone else who did that? (laughs) Uh, I think we had to ship the snow in from Oregon or something, yeah. Let's talk turkey here. Yeah. Thanksgiving movie. Um, Did you, you had to ship in snow? No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. No, well, because I can imagine, like, I'm I'm sure that there's it's, plenty of movies. No, it's a low-budget film. You don't ship in snow. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's what I went Like, the, bring in, like, snowmakers. Like, it's like you've never been skiing, bro. Budget. You know what I mean? Like, they <laughs> make <mean> snow. <laughs> Wait, uh, you, know, you know in uh, in uh, League of Their Own, they, uh, they shipped in the baseballs. I swear to Christ. You know, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you say low-budget. Can we can we get a, a, a how much money are we talking about? How much can you make a film for? Well, um, I'm gonna say less than half a million, um, just to be safe. I think it looks pretty good, but um, you know, it, it's it's difficult to make a film on independent films anymore because it's so hard to get that kind of money to be able to produce it. Yeah, you have yeah, to just yeah. come up with creative solutions, you know. I get it, man. It's really difficult, and the problem is everybody thinks they can do it for almost no budget. Which yes, we we, we want to make a film. Well, yeah, uh, actors want to get paid, and yeah, crew right. want to get paid, and yeah. Well, here's the thing: with a lot of independent, and believe me, I've had a lot of uh, independent and and small, low budget filmmakers on, and they want to skimp on it. Okay, actors want to get paid. I'll use my cousin Al. My cousin oh, Al has been in mystery no. dinner, dinner theater. Yeah. He's, uh, and all that kind of stuff, and oh, oh, catering costs money. I'll get my sister to make make the food for the people, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I try to talk people out of that. Like it's just a, a yes. disaster. If somebody has never acted in film before, and you're expecting them to do it, to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not the place to start. Uh, so yeah, congratulations. It does look, at least from the trailer, it looks like a um, a top notch. I would swear Thank it was you. part of the Hollywood filmmaking machine if, good cool uh, good yeah yeah thank very, you very good stuff now sally kirkland is the uh, uh obviously uh one of the more recognizable names in the yeah, cast. yeah she's great she's uh, wonderful to work with how do you how do you get somebody with a name 
um i found well if you know who you want you can go directly to their agent but it's best if you know somebody who knows them and right. that's how i got to sally and to louis um actually and to natasha it was through someone already i was connected to and he said yeah i know natasha let me give her a call and see if she'd be interested and then wow. you're going to go from there but but definitely it's not just the connection it's the script if the right. script isn't something they like, they're not going to do it. Right. And um, and the great thing is I'd worked with Sally already in, in the Hellhole project. And um, when Natasha read the script, she was like, oh, please, I want to play Mandy. I don't I don't care. Just let me play Mandy. Wow. So I was like, cool, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Very cool. Now, uh, um, where were you from originally? I mean, and... yeah, I'm originally from San Francisco. Okay. So. And I did a lot of uh, community theater in my early days. Right. Now, uh, getting into film in, in places like that are not L.A., Hollywood, or New York, or uh, some of the unique challenges there? Yeah, well, there's. Um, it is. Um, it's hard to get into films in, in general. But I think it's easier to get in films kind of if they're not in L.A., just because there's so many people in a, L.A., like... When I put up a listing for a role, I would get like 800 or 1,000 applications. And I'm a low-budget film. So, right. um, yeah. Did you go to film school? I didn't. I didn't. I learned most of it from doing it kind of thing. Um, I'm dyslexic, and uh, reading books never really goes well for me. Right. So I usually learn by actually doing things. So I volunteered on sets and would help out and learn different ropes and things. And uh, it's kind Good of how I you. learned my way through. Yeah. Good for you. Cause I talk, so many people I talk to, uh, they say film school, you don't really learn how to make films. The benefit of film school is networking and getting to meet people who you're going to yeah. work on films with after film school. And I'm thinking, well, that's an awful big investment just to go meet people, especially like you're talking NYU film school or something like that, where you're going to spend $120,000 a year for your exactly. education. You're going to be <laughs> deep in debt yeah. just to get to meet people. It's got to be a better way. So good, yeah. good for you. I'm glad you yeah. did that. So, Paul, are you in San Francisco now? No, I'm in L.A. now. Okay. I, my, cause the reason why I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who was in Florida, and the two of you have the exact same apartments. So I was wondering who your designer was <laughs> because y'all have the exact same <laughs> piano, the same oh, yeah. sofa. I mean, you're kidding. Someone else has my piano. Yes, I'm yes. going to have to check the exact into that. Same designer. Mickey might have stolen my stuff. I, I just want to uh, let you know, Paul, that uh, GD is desperately trying to be funny because uh, he's, he's been told that he's oh, not good. funnier than Tom Segura. And I think it scarred him much like uh, race issues have scarred him so deeply that he just he can't get over it, can't get past it. Uh, but if you know a good hair guy in L.A., he might be interested in that. Uh, um, I don't. But... There's a lot of hair people in L.A. That can <laughs> a lot do of this? hair people. That can do this? Oh, come on. Look at this. Look at yeah. This. So now the film, it's, it's time to come out this time of year, a holiday uh, a yeah. film. Well, is it coming out digitally? Is it, Are you doing a theatrical release? It is. No, we're not doing theatrical, unfortunately. But uh, we are doing uh, digital, and we're on Amazon Prime now. We should be on Tubi and Apple TV probably pretty soon. I mean, they haven't told me it's up, but, you know, they usually pick up my films, so it should be in a few days. 
Uh, now, it's now what to... about Hallmark? Because I was looking at the the, the, the previews for the trailer. <sighs> sorry for the Holiday Boyfriend, and I'm thinking this has Hallmark all over it. Right. I know. I I I investigated through a few avenues, and Hallmark's kind of like unless we make it or it fits a exact format, yeah, then we're yeah, not right. interested. And so somebody, one of the people I contacted said, basically, your film's too funny for Hallmark. Wow. I was going to say you had too many black people. But okay, Phil, that's a different thing, yeah. See, I told you. He's, he's, well, that's what made it funny. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's interesting that Hallmark, uh, they want you to fit your film. So people have to remake their films in order to fit Hallmark's uh, requirements? Pretty much I mean, they I have to prove that. They're very cookie cutters. Yeah, yeah, they wow. pretty much have to prove your script before you start shooting. Uh, I mean, that's, the part of part of what I can't stand about watching movies on fucking Hallmark is they're all the fucking same. It's the same fucking story regurgitated in a different fucking package over and over again. Yeah. Like, well, now, but if you think like now, I can almost understand because in the old days with um was it MGM? MGM had the same format for almost all of their films. It was Boy Meets yeah. Girl. Boy loses girl, boy gets finds girl again, boy gets the girl back, or something that was like the same format. And then the murder suicide thing at the yeah. end. Right. Yeah. It always ends in the murder suicide. Uh happy, happy endings. That's what we like. Yeah. Um yeah, so now talk talk to me, because um I'm sure when you're writing this thing, uh, you're excited about making the film. Then you get in, involved in making the film, and you got there's all these challenges to get funding and all that kind of stuff. Do you oh first gosh. of all do you go uh, the India go? How do you get funding? How do you get investors? How do you get money behind the film? So I go the fool's path. Um, I fund the films myself because um, I know I've tried Indiegogo. I've tried finding investors, and I've just spent so many years wasted. You know, it's really hard to get someone to write an actual check. And uh, so it became, okay, well, I'm going to have to do it myself. So then I had to figure out a timeline of how long it'll take me to make this much money. And that'll be the budget. And can I do it for this budget? And where can I do it for that budget? And so. Oh, yeah. my God. So, uh, yeah. So you came up with a half a million dollars. Uh... Uh, yeah. Well, less sure. than half a million. Yeah. Less than half a million. Less than half so a million. Be, yes. yes. It could be 12000 Right. So <laughs> how much coke did you sell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was COVID. I was selling those, uh, you know. Tests? You were selling yeah, tests? exactly. Yeah, they were selling those tests for $75 for a while. So, Wow. <laughs> wow. I was selling used ones for only 40 so. Now, <laughs> Just selling PPEs. <laughs> did you shoot on film or did you shoot on video? We shot on digital. Um, I did a couple things to sort of save money because I knew I had a great DP that I was going to have. So I shot with two cameras. Um, and we shot in digital, and um, we ended up being able to shoot the film in 11 and a half days. Wow. Oh, so you said DP? Wow. And there, there may be, I know what a DP is, but people out there may not know, so oh, you don't mind yeah. telling them. Well, Will thinks of it as double penetration, but... <laughs> uh, no, it's the cinematographer. It's the man behind the camera. Okay. Uh, it was Jan uh, Frame, and he's great. I used him on the last film, and with Holiday Boyfriend half the time, I would just start setting up the actors for what I wanted to do. And I'd say, can you? Yeah. And he'd be, yeah. And wow. then I'd say, and what about if we, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then I look through the frame and look at through the camera and I'm like, uh, yeah. 
yeah, that's that's yeah. what I want. That's, that's, that's great. Now yeah. that's that's the other thing that a lot of independent filmmakers uh, don't take uh, in, in, into account is that the look and and getting everything from lighting to that yeah. cinematic look that you're looking for. They just think it's a you know I got a camera and I know several people I got a really good camera, a red camera, and I'm. A, and it's just the gear isn't as important as having that expert eye, the person who knows it how really to get is. the look, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I know. Right. I know one thing that's important when releasing a film is like the cover image. Do, what's your cover image for Holiday Boyfriend? Because I, I definitely have a vision. If, if you'd like to hear it, it's a no, 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 no. Paul, you don't want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. I'll tell you what the original was, was the two, the couple, Mandy and the rich boyfriend, and then behind them, a tree is falling that the rich guy is pushing over and Nathan is catching the tree. So it kind of gives you a sort of dynamic of what's going on behind it. And then I was ready to go with that. And then somebody said, it kind of looks like the guy behind the tree is creeping on the girl, like he's stalking her or something. It's like, well, we don't want that impression. So I had to simplify it. So it's basically the man, the rich man. And the woman looking a little stunned a bit, and then the tree falling in the background, so you get an idea that something's going on, something's falling apart. So oh, it's wow. tough. You got to be yeah, quick. Yeah. Go ahead. That's that's way different than the image that I had in my head because I pretty much I was thinking something simple. I was thinking <laughs> a man uh, just in a Santa hat, maybe a red bow tie. And a nice ribbon on the package, holiday boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why uh, you have not been hired as a marketing director for films. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but we'll we'll be uh, producing the next Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> there now, you go. Can I show the trailer here? Yeah, sure. Let's see. Let's see if we, I can show the trailer here. Can I show the trailer here? It's uh, there. It is. Something's happening. There we go. My name's Blake. Isn't he just perfect? He's handsome. He's rich. This is it, guys. I think he's the one. I'm gonna have to leave town. Be my boyfriend. Uh, what? Just for Thanksgiving. You'll be Blake. I'll be Blake? Yes, thank you. It's just a little harmless play acting. They're small town folk. How hard can it be? You can sit down now. Must I? Oh, my my crumpets. Do you like fruitcakes? So you two are engaged. You seem engaged. You have that bitter aura. <laughs> I'm thankful for a body that can lure men to their death. Excellent. You know, definitely has, uh, again, that mystique, uh, that kind of uh, professional Hollywood machine 
I, if I did not know this was an independent film, I would think it was a studio production. So wow, well, thank you, thank tell. you. Um, tell me about music and because uh, there, there's a little ah. bit of music in there, and it, the challenge of of getting the right music for your film. Yes, that's interesting too because um, Michael Collin is my um, composer for music. He did the Shadows for me, which was like oh, 15 years ago. And um, he did such a great job on I had him do the music for the next film. And basically, he's been my composer on every film, <laughs> even wow. though they've changed genres so dramatically and stuff. And I was like, he's just great because he, again, you want someone who's not just good at their job, but somehow knows how to read your mind. Like, oh, yeah, I know this is the kind of music I think you want here and there. And whenever he'd present me with stuff, you know, it was always at least very close to what I was thinking. So right, well, that's that, awesome. that's great. And you know what? In any uh, creative endeavor, it's good to have people who are, uh, you know, you said read your mind. It's just people who are on the same page, and that's a that's the yeah. biggest challenge of any team uh, yeah. assembly in creative work. Is uh, Will you muted? By the way, I don't know if you know you're muted. Will you know? Okay, he knows he's muted. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't, which is why I said that. Anyway, uh, now where I was going with the, the budget stuff. When you're putting that together and you're, you're, you're making the film, do you keep in mind, I'm going to need $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, whatever it is for marketing once the film is produced? Or does, is that an afterthought? Like, okay, we finished the film, now what? And how do I get people to know about it? Yeah, no, I'm I'm smart enough now that I realize that yeah, you've got to set aside time, for, you know, money for um, publicity and advertising, as much as possible and stuff. Yeah. And so yeah, I definitely did uh, set aside money for that. Now, what about product placement in films? How, what's your um your your opinion about that? And can I we think get it's coffee fine with... if you can get them. Um, they just aren't interested in my films because we're not big enough and stuff and we don't have guaranteed i'll give you 10 bucks stuff. to put mind dog coffee in your next uh movie done done <laughs> <laughs> but you have to use the girls on the counter you can't, no you just the coffee no you, okay. <laughs> no yes well you're muted dude well you're talking but you're muted yeah I've, i saw your lips moving uh, which i is forgot that? Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm glad that you saw my lips moving. I had to mute it because the, there was uh, uh, a little bit of noise, so I didn't want to murder suicide going on in the back. No, no, just my niece going to school. Yeah, same. Thing. <laughs> hey, do you recall what you were saying in, re in response to that uh, coffee uh, with the coffee? Oh, you know, um, I've uh, never even thought about. You know, you we could try and get somebody to like put the pocket like listening to the podcast in a movie you yeah, know what i mean could. like walk into a room and the podcast is what they're watching or something yeah we have a budget yeah. we got another 20 bucks in it for that if we can get that in in one of your movies as well. <laughs> i'll keep you in mind oh well thanks uh now uh so th this film is out already it's out in uh would you say uh not to be right now on Amazon Prime right now. It's um, on Reveal and G Glued TV. If uh, Flix Fling, I think, is another one. But wow. those are, you know, not as not as well known and stuff. So 
Um, so you have to do all that administrative back end bullshit work, con- contacting people or yourself, or do you have do you have some help with that? Because this is my biggest problem: is I'm doing everything by myself. I have uh, one guy who's out getting his hair done all day, another guy who's like getting himself arrested for whatever all day, and I'm in on this alone. Yeah, I farm out as much as I can. I mean, I have to do some research myself and stuff, but I really hate doing marketing because it's not faces. my skill set. And, um, you know, you got to do it well. So I I do certain things and then I farm out other parts of it to have someone who's skilled at, you know, setting up like Google ads and stuff, have them put it up and connect it and stuff. Yeah, um, but I mean, like the contact, contacting Tubi or uh, uh, Tubi. Oh. Uh, Amazon Prime and all that stuff, all those no, no. little forms you got to fill out for people and that kind of crap that can be an endless nightmare part of the work. That you're a filmmaker, you got into it to make films, right. write films, produce films, and yeah. not fill out forms and and go jump through red tape and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no, I go, I go through Film Hub, which is sort of an independent film distributor, right? And they down. contact all of them for it. All right, very cool. That's a that's yeah. a good piece of information there that we didn't have before. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so now, uh, if I, I sorry to bug you on the financials, and maybe a no, lot of people okay. might be a little uncomfortable with this. Tubi, it baffles me because I <laughs> uh, they have commercials on there. Do you get paid for the commercials, or they t- they're taking all that revenue? Because I can go on and watch it for free. As long as I watch the deal with the commercial stuff, right? But right, so it's a little bit complicated. Um, you get essentially paid for how many commercials people watch and stuff. So how long? Plus, if they click on the commercial, then you get a bonus. Um, and if they buy the product, things like that, then there's bonus income and stuff. So it's all sort of based on all that information. And uh, how transparent is the accounting on that? Like, do, do they? Uh, do you have? It, are they ripping you off? Is the question. Well, <laughs> since, since Film Hub stands as my distributor, it's kind of for them to make sure they're not ripping me off. But all I see is, you know, a, a dollar value that comes in per month. And Film Hub has it itemized out at uh, how many times it's been seen and for how long and so forth. Wow. So I let them worry about that and I just kind of collect them. So they get their permission, their percentage, and then I just watch the money. Uh so uh, now as a filmmaker, and, and this is your passion, your writer, producer, yeah. director, and all that stuff, do you, uh, are you already um, invested in your next project? I mean, emotionally and, and, and creatively invested in your next project, or do you have to wait and see some success with this before you start moving on to your next thing? Yeah, I need to wait and see some success and stuff so we can gauge and adjust as needed. The industry is changing so fast, you know. Right. Um with streaming and stuff, you have to keep knocking your budget down and down, and that just uh, makes you have to choose different scripts and stuff. So we're checking to see how this goes to the end of the year, and then we'll we'll figure out what project we do next. Now, I kind of had an action movie oh. ear, earmarked, but we'll see. Now, you do your friends TV? do your friends have to like your films? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I my I, brother I, and sister usually do because I usually have them. You know, watch some of the uh, drafts and stuff to give me feedback and things. But, you know, if people don't like it, it's okay. It may not be their kind of film. 
Right. Uh, well, I would think it would be hard to find somebody who likes all your films because Hell Hole and Holiday Boyfriend and and, uh, and Chuck Island. Chuck and, Island. I mean, you're all over the map. Yeah. But that's a good yeah. thing, I think, to be done. Well, it's a good thing, but I think it would be hard to find one uh, one group that likes them all. Or one, right. One right. But, you could, but you could have a thread that goes through all of them, like – like right. they, her boyfriend dies in the mine, and that's why she's looking for a holiday boyfriend now. You know, yeah. so you can just go follow through. And now they're together at Shark Island. Right. I do have yoga. a little. I do leave little clue things in my um in each of my f scripts that sort of connects to one of the other films and stuff. So it's so you, kind of you have cool. some Easter eggs. Very yes. cool. Yeah, Easter eggs or or yeah, or like that. Um. What now? The challenge. He likes, to, he likes to call them Paul potatoes. He doesn't call them. <laughs> yes, yes. The old Paul potatoes. Uh, what's this? Tom Segura is uh, playing where tonight? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Uh, the cha challenges of independent films. Now you don't have a back lot to shoot on, right? So everything, <laughs> you, uh, no. everything you have to, you have to find locations to shoot in. What is yeah. that? Now there's got to be a big difference between uh, doing that for Shark Island than for a, hol a holiday boyfriend. But the, yeah. the challenge is there. Talk, talk to me about like finding spaces to shoot in. So, set. Well, Shark, Shark Island we shot in Thailand, and the director had a location that he could use. Wow. For um, the haunting of Hellhole Mine was kind of an interesting one because I have a good friend who is usually my producer on the films, a line producer. And she lives in Salinas, California. And I was fit, figuring together how we were going to do this gold mine set and stuff because I'd have to build the whole thing. And she lives on a big plot of land. And so I said, hey, Tammy, you know, you think we could maybe take Dig part of your land and build the set? <laughs> and uh, she said, yeah, okay, we can make that work. Wow. So we shot the film in Salinas. We built the set, the entire set that's the whole um, 150 feet uh, mine. Uh, it was it was quite an endeavor. We ended it, we built it in about three and a half weeks, and then uh, wow. and then shot everything else in Salinas. And it was now, did anybody say you're out of your fucking mind? I did a few <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long but, as it's uh, just you. <laughs> I well, yeah. The voices in my head say I'm I'm sane, so that's how I know I am. Wow, that's <laughs> cool. Good, good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good enough for me yeah, too. I did that. Yeah, yeah uh, so that really uh, interesting stuff there, because I would think that would be the biggest challenge. I mean, we uh, we need a fucking mine. How who's got a mine we can shoot it? Yeah, you know. Well, it took ten years to make the film because wow. I was looking at other options and I looked at actual mines, which most of them they won't let you go in. Um, and then caves and stuff, but they're never in a good location. You can't like truck out 20 people to shoot at a cave, you know, out in the woods. Yeah. So Bisbee, Bisbee became... might have a, uh, you've already yeah. made that film, but it's a little too late yeah. for advice on this. But 10 years. Uh, so I guess the lesson here is you got to have a lot of patience to be an independent filmmaker. You got to, you got, and stick to itiveness and all that kind of stuff. 10 for years, sure. a, I would quit after 10 months. That's I understand. Movie. No, for sure. It, the, so the script the good... was ready. So the script was ready, and you were waiting for ten years. Well, the script was ready, but the script—I would revise my scripts 
if something big came to mind, then I would change it. At, at the very least, I would revise them every year. So it definitely, that was the thing I was going to say. It, um, it's a much better script than it was 10 years before. Right, yeah. So now, what about what about the people you envisioned? Like, let's say when you started it. I'm just, I don't want to put words into yeah. your mouth. But let's say when you first started it, the lead was some guy with dreads. It looked kind of like yes. this. And then after 10 years, he doesn't look like that because you've evolved as a person. Did your characters also evolve in those 10 years? They did. It's kind of a, it can be a weird and interesting experience because you kind of have the characters you'll, they'll sort of talk to you kind of, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you know, I kind of don't feel comfortable with this kind of thing, you know. You know, while, like, while you were waiting, I've gone through a divorce now. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, or other things come to mind, or you start realizing, oh, this is what my mind was actually talking about, what it was thinking about when I went, you know, with this storyline. And now that I understand that, I can write it clearer than I was before because it was just sure. ethereal. Oh, my God. You just described my nightmare in the film that I uh, <laughs> I tried to make because I had written this film about uh, a guy who was a rock star wannabe, a musician wannabe, but uh, was like wasting his life away and not not really throwing himself 100 percent into it. He was cab driver and all this stuff, ODs oh. and all this stuff. And it, it dawned on me seven years into the, the, the making of this film and we had shot three quarters of it that he was getting too old to be playing this part. So I had to recast the lead with a younger guy yeah. and start start over at that point and, oh. that, and never finish the film because of that. Oh, uh, that's a shame. Like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that was my nightmare. Thank you for reminding me, GD. Now, that's uh, okay. I have, an un I have unfinished stuff for some similar reasons, except for one of mine died. Yeah, well, <laughs> the lead actor in that died too. He, but uh, so yeah. Yeah, my two rules are: don't start shooting until you have all the budget, and don't write the script until you know how it ends. Right. Yeah. Well, until the script. You know how it ends. So you know how it ends, because if you don't know how it ends, you can't go there. Yeah, you'll you just keep writing. That Everything suppose. needs to go that way. <laughs> Actually, yeah. And I found that sometimes the reason people uh, don't know how the film ends, that they're writing, the screenplay that they're writing, is because they mentally or emotionally have not gotten to that place yet. Right. Sure. Now, uh, um, if I, because we are uh, getting short on time. We always, I right. always just like run past stop signs and all this kind of stuff. Um are you intentionally like in the witness protection program? Uh, because <laughs> if I try to do some like research on you now, obviously GD is a little bit better than me. He knew about Shark Island, uh, but trying to dig stuff up on you was really difficult. Most guests that I have are not like uh, on. I can find out uh, everything about them. I find out you know uh, what what elementary school they went to and what oh. their dog's name is. You are a man of mystery. Is that by intention? Well, a little bit. I'm also a uh, computer programming developer, and so I kind of try and keep them keep your world separate a little bit. Yeah, but on IMDb, everything should be listed. But um, but yeah, my I found that my computer consulting database work that in one case when they found out I was a filmmaker, they kind of lost confidence in me. <laughs> like what? We've got this in the hands of an actor. This is crazy. No, that's too dangerous. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because uh, I was in a business meeting recently that uh, trying to get some funding to 
upgrade our production here and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I said too much. I I I, I know <laughs> I, I I happened to, and this is a because I was watching. You mentioned God, my name, didn't you? That's what happened. I did. <laughs> no, I was watching these Godfather, the lessons from the Godfather. And they always say. <laughs> Uh, you know, learn to, you know, the less you say in a business yeah. meeting, the more people will be, you know, intrigued and willing to work with you. Don't say too much. And that's the lesson. And then I, I got that lesson, but I blew it. And I happened to mention I was running for Congress. And I'm certain that that ruined the deal for me. I, so I got to learn to keep my mouth shut. And that's a, you know, that's a big part of it is the, yeah. And I would love to keep my world separate. But when people find out you're doing one thing they, for me, right. Uh, it definitely doesn't work out that yeah, way. I'm, I love too, I'm too all over the place, and I'm too much of an open book on the internet. That's a danger. Of the internet. <laughs> you can find out anything answer. about anybody. Good for you. I'm glad you figured out a way to keep your world separate. Anyway, it's funny because uh, I came across the the other Paul Collette, and I did not realize that was also you. I said, "Okay, I don't need to know this," and just discarded it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, well, we wish you great success with the film and, you know, Thank uh, you very much. and if there's anything we can do to promote it, uh, uh, further, uh, just let me know. I mean, we will try to keep, uh, keep mentioning it here on the, on the program for a while until we forget, which happens quite a lot. We're very forgetful around here, no problem. but send us reminders, anything that you got coming up, whether it's a, uh, it's getting on Apple or, you know, launching yeah. on a new platform or that, just drop us a line and we'll definitely, uh, remember to mention it to people. So. Sounds good. Well, and if do. you're ever shooting on location in Westminster, Maryland, um, I have a tremendous range. I can play a black guy with his hair down. I can play a black guy with his hair pulled back. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Can, 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 can you do a reverend? That is. I, I that can, is some I, I can try to do a reverend. I'm not really good at it. But no, I can also no. play like a black guy with glasses and without glasses. I have tremendous range, Paul. Like Clark Kent. Oh, that's crazy. Clark Kent. Okay, I'll see what I can do. I'll try and design something around that. Thank you. Well, th thank you for being uh, flexible this morning, and, and no problem. And, and, and thanks for being here. And we are, thank okay, you for okay. the opportunity. Best of luck with with the film. All right. Thank Bye you. Take Bye. Uh, interesting. I'm gonna be a star. Interesting stuff. That? I'm gonna be a star. You're gonna be. Be You're going to be a star. It'd be, uh, I don't know, uh, the remake <laughs> of Jackson, Joe Jackson's story. <laughs> you know, um, this holiday boyfriend thing, I wanted to talk about because I don't Here know. Here like, Tito, how's that bass coming along, boy? You know, how's that bass coming along, boy? On the pentatonic scale. Remember that guy, that doctor I had who did the Jackson Five, uh, uh, who did the uh, what uh, La Chica or whatever it was hit, uh, Get Down Boogie Oogie Oogie. <laughs> he worked with those guys who who produced the Jackson Five. Uh, I won't. Um, what the hell? One more. Give me. Oh, Don. Give me one more chance. Whatever. That, I want you back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think they play. The studio musicians play. I don't think Tito really played the bass. I don't think any of the Jacksons were really playing those instruments. No, I don't think so either. I think they just sing and dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, according to the doc, who was I can't remember. His I mean, name. I've never seen an instrument in any of their hands. Well, no, I've seen it. I, I, yeah, but could it have been like um, the Partridge family when they first started shooting the show? They couldn't play instruments, but eventually, many of them learned. That, to that's play. true. That's true. The, like the monkeys too. The monkeys did that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, we're the monkeys. We know. We know how to 
Uh, I don't know why Banana Splits. The Banana Splits. They played their own instruments, but oh, and and Lancelot Link. They also played their own instruments, but they didn't know how to play them in the beginning. Now Will doesn't know who Lancelot Link is. What? Who, who is? Find some footage. Put him up there. Let him see Lancelot Link. Can you find footage of Lancelot? I know. I Link? think I think I will get sued over that. It's not like a trailer <laughs> or anything. But like, who is it? Lancelot Link. Link. And the yeah, Evolution Revolution. Uh, you know, this is the epitome of comedy. Uh, you don't get comedy any more highbrow uh, like, or funnier than the Lancelot Link stuff. Uh, oh, it, it, was, it was tremendous. It was what do you <laughs> Now, listen, um, I'm familiar with lowbrow comedy. What's this highbrow comedy you speak of? That's, well, uh, that's just that's lowbrow comedy. That's lowbrow comedy on Botox. That's all. Like, it's I, like, why can't I? Oh, so it's like stuck up comedy. Yeah, Botox. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, stick up uh, your ass comedy is what it yes. is. Yes, and as a matter of fact, the, the best comedians with that is it is that is that where you like joke about the problems you're having with your yacht and shit yes, like yes. that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. That makes it. That, no <laughs> wonder I know nothing about that. I've never been on a boat with a motor. Like I've been in the canoe. You motor boat it, but you've never been on a boat with a motor. I have not. I have not been motor boated. That would, dude. You know what? I don't agree with violence towards women, but if a woman motor boated me, I might punch her in the face. Why? Like, no. I said, I said, Why? I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. Like that, dude. Like uh, I'll never forget. There was one time. Uh, uh, we were, um, the wife and I were being sexy and she like cupped, she cupped my man boobs, like, like girl boobs. And I was like, I immediately like locked up, like my entire body just froze. And I looked at her and I was like, we don't do that. All right. <laughs> like, Quickly, like, uh, couple of things I, I wanted to mention here, because uh, uh, I'm going back to where we started, where I started with the Republican uh, debate last night. Uh, Tim Scott, who uh, he, he's been worried that people are saying that he might be gay. And, and this is a real con- concern among Republicans is like, God forbid, we're going to nominate a guy who might be gay. Uh, oh, so, that'd be fucking fabulous. Right. But so, so he had to come out and prove he has a girlfriend because he's kept been saying he's had a girlfriend uh, he forever. Can. So he had he to come out last that. night and prove he had a girlfriend. He brought this girl out who looked like an actress, looked like she was playing the part. She probably of, was. I know. And that, it, well, this holiday boyfriend thing kind of ties into that. It's like this. The, you're great. faking it. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, if you see the footage, the girl looks like she's acting as, you know, she's yeah. just. She was hired to play his girlfriend last night. He could have hired Lindsey Graham to do the same thing, and probably well, hopefully, less money. hopefully, she at least blew him if she was hired. Oh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know one of the things that uh, what's his name? I think that cost you a little extra, by the way. Yeah, Tim Scott. It probably does. But, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Wait, Gigi's <laughs> trying to be funny. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just being political. <laughs> But put the, the Republicans have, like, gotten their asses kicked so much over abortion bans that now they're just trying to just, not trying, they've stopped using the word ban and they started using the word limit because people aren't smart enough to realize it's the same policy. Right. They're just changing the right. word. Right. Well, I right. mean, listen, like, the girls, the girls that are having abortions at the rate that they could be using a fucking punch card 
Yo, we need to get rid of that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Whenever like, the agents but, from Trump, but, I mean, it's the, hold on, hold they on. deserve the right to choose. Hold on. Stopping them, and only the veritable quandary has the classified case files of Lancelot Link, secret chimp. Lancelot Link, secret chimp. All right, that was a little bit of Lancelot Link. We had to, we had to wow. educate you on this stuff. Now, yeah. uh, you, you were you were saying something meaningless and and uh, unimportant when we interrupt rudely interrupted you. Do you remember what that nonsense you were babbling about was? Man boobs, and his Man. and his wife touched him there, and he just lost it. Uh, oh yeah, we didn't care about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for our next guest. Michelle Ryder, uh, known as Shelly Belly, uh, not your ordinary Southern belle. Uh, she's taking the comedy and uh, social media storm, by, uh, social media scene by storm. Shelly Belly has become one of the most top sought after female comedians throughout the United States. And uh, she's got a couple of dates coming up a uh, weekend uh, in our area, in my area, not your area. Well, TD's kind of area. Uh, next weekend, the 17th and 18th. Let's welcome her in. Uh, good morning, Shelly Belly. Hello, Hi. how are y'all? Uh, I, I'm uh, we are well, except for Will, he's a little brain damaged, but uh, the rest of us are okay. Uh, I'll watch out for him then, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah, probably. Now, where are you from, Southern Bell? I'm from South Carolina, and I can tell y'all we're not. So- <laughs> <laughs> Um, Does it show? Yeah, uh, I think I have a little bit of an accent. I've been told I've had a little bit of, uh, of an accent, but I can't really hear it. Anyway, uh, so now, what came first? Were you a social media a social media sensation before doing stand up? I mean, how, that that part of it would intrigue me. Uh, is well, no, I was um, I was actually doing um, like local shows. And, um, and then, you know, I got on social media. My, my son was in the Marines at the time and he came home and he showed me uh, TikTok. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to give it a go. And uh, I'll tell you what a little smart alecky is. Um, so I, I got on TikTok and I showed him I got 200 views on a video. I thought I was big stuff, you know. <laughs> I was like, and uh and I showed it to him, and he and he laughed at me, and he said, "Mom, give me a damn break." I mean, really. And I was like, "Oh, you little smart aleck." So I got on TikTok again, and then I got up to three hundred eighty-five thousand followers. And then I showed him, and he shut his mouth. Then now I'm at one point three million Holy on, damn. On, on TikTok, and I'm up to one hundred sixty thousand on Instagram and six hundred eighty-seven thousand on Facebook. 
Wow. Oh. Congratulations oh. on that. Thank you. And so then I was on social media and then I was um, on Netflix on a reality show called The Circle Season 3. Right. And um, and then everybody's the like, yeah, yes, the circle mom. Okay. Yeah. And then everybody said, you you know, you you know, you've done stand up. This is your time to shine. You need to go do it full time. And uh, the day before my show came out, the circle, uh, I was laid off my full time job. So I was like, you know, it couldn't have been a better timing. And so um, I've been touring ever since. Wow. Now, now I'll say. Were you, because you kind of do blue comedy, but is that was that your personality before you did comedy that you talked blue around the house, you know, about the dry vagina and stuff like that, or was that just um? Uh, well, um, I thought vaginas to, were to pink. My, to my husband. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I've always been a quirky person. I've always, you know, been a jokester. And uh, when I when I told my husband I want to do stand up, though, my husband looked at me and he goes, "You're not funny," because I'm not funny. <laughs> he only uh, thinks that because he takes too much personal. <laughs> thank you, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, yeah. You, thank you. And uh, so, but now he he goes around, he travels with me, he, and I call him my merch whore. He sells all my merch. Wow, my that's nice. Oh, that's fucking just, awesome. Put him to work. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Well, first of all, you say work blue, blue GD. I thought vaginas were pink. Well, no, uh, I was just but, referring to her. Her ref. Uh, yeah. It, okay. but actually, it depends on the nationality. The actual color. They don't. They're not all pink. Okay, that's good. Good to know. I, yeah. as you know, I haven't really seen that many of them. Um, except Willie, the, Willie, show, except show the National Geographic. Yeah, um, I love show, hanging show out Matt. with the guys. I love hanging out with the guys. Guys are so much fun. Uh, well, if I never <laughs> had. Um, last night, Matt Reif, who uh, made he he was in comedy for twelve years, but became an overnight sensation because of TikTok. He was on uh, the Tonight Show with uh, Jimmy Fallon. And I'm thinking, this is we've reached a point in society where being on the Tonight Show is less impactful on your career than TikTok. Yeah, isn't that? Isn't that? That's a trip. That's yeah. a real trip. Yeah, it's something really to be. So you you became much. You became famous using uh, new media rather than the the old fashioned ways of getting on late night television and getting no, known that way. Uh, much like Matt Reif. I mean, so if, when you get on on the late night shows, it'll be kind of a let that like a a a step down from where you are now, right? Now, it's I'm, a fucking weird world that we live in. Uh, I don't like to brag, but I've been successfully, I have been successful in keeping my TikTok following to under 160 people. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, I just, get, I just passed 100 YouTube subscribers. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Social media can be a great thing for a comedian and it can be a bad thing for a comedian. Let me explain why I say that. And I'm going to say this out loud and I'm going to say it boldly and I'm going to say it proud. So as so as a female comedian, it is it is a hard world. You know, stand up comedy is a is a male dominant industry. We all know that. Absolutely. And as a female, it is an uphill battle 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And every time I'm told no, 
you're just telling me yes, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to let anybody get in my way. But there's a lot of people that have made it on, that have gotten big on social media that are not comedians, never have been comedians, and never will be comedians. But these agencies, booking agencies, see that they have 2 million followers. They pick them up off social media. They write their comedy for them and they throw them on stage. And these poor people will pay money to go see them. And they're not even funny. Right. And they're yeah. not even comedians. So people yeah. like me, that's a true comedian that loves to do social media. So I don't want to be confused with a social media influencer that's a stand-up comedian. I'm a stand-up, true stand-up comedian that likes to do social media. There's a big difference. Right. No, that's why I kind of uh, draw the parallel between Matt Reif. Because Matt Reif right. was in for 12 years before yes. he blew up on TikTok. And, on but, social media, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but when you reach and I, what you're describing, I think is terrible, not just for the people, uh, but it's for the industry, because then people who go to or are inclined to frequent comedy clubs or go to comedy clubs as an entertainment source, they get a bad taste in their mouth for what that experience is. And it ruins it for everybody. So you're absolutely, I, I, absolutely. And and, you know, people like me that that does very well on social media that that. Well, I'm telling you, if you come to my shows, you make sure you pack you some depends because you're going to pee in your pants. <laughs> I can't get picked up by a booker for nothing. I've been trying to get a booking agent forever, well, and I cannot get picked up. Isn't that what James Benedetto does for you or not? Yeah. Uh, James, it, James is a producer. And so he produces shows and he puts me on shows that he produces. Um, and he, we do like theaters and things like that. Um, but a booking agent actually puts you in places like the improv, the funny bones. Right, like right, I've been right. trying to get into the funny bone and I can't, I've been trying to get into the improvs and can't. <clears throat> it's because you don't fit their cookie cutter mold or that because sometimes, oh. sometimes it's a matter of they have a certain idea of what a comedian should be and you don't fit their thing. Or sometimes it's, you know, well, you, you go ahead. Well, um, I really don't know what it is. Um, I mean, I look at, I'm, I'm a researcher. I research other comedians. Um, you know, I admire so many comedians out here that are amazing. There are so many comedians out here that, that nobody even knows about that would put a lot of famous comedians under the table. But they sure. just not being discovered yet, and it's a shame. Yep. But, but so I don't really know it. What I mean, should there be criteria in stand up? Because not everybody likes the same thing, right? Yeah. So, right. So, it, I think a lot of it is is who you know. Well, yes. And uh, I'm not. I'm not going to kiss kiss anybody's. I hope I can say a bad word. Right. Yeah. I'm see, not, that's, I'm that's, not kissing anybody's ass. I think I love you. Up. I think I love you, Shelly. No, no, I, I, said, I think I love you. No, no. I'm, I'm just not. I'm not going to kiss yeah. anybody's ass to get yeah. into a club. I want to get into a club, but if they don't have me at their club, it's their loss. You know, I, right. I, I'm so proud that I have. Even though I'm southern, a lot of people think, "Oh, she's southern." You know, y'all right. were just talking about some political stuff, and and I thought, Lord, I'm going to get on here, and people are going to think I'm southern, and they're going to think, Oh my God, she's one of the Republican women. But I don't ever talk about politics. We won't go there. Um, but you know, a lot of people, I guess they they think, 
well, she's Southern or it could be that I'm a female or it could be that I just don't know the right people. But um, but my ultimate goal is if you don't book me in your club, I'm going to find a theater right next door to you and I'm going to book it and I'm going to sell it out and make you wish you had me there. <laughs> All right. That, that's a that's a good attitude. to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I know that I know that Golden Artist Entertainment is definitely they're generally looking for submissions and stuff like that. They do representation. We've had Dante on the show, him and his wife, Rebecca run golden artist entertainment um but they represent a number of comedians um so uh i would definitely look them up and maybe and maybe see um if you could submit to them or whatever you'll probably have to audition or something um but that might be a good direction but you know jj comedy he's wonderful james is he's amazing to work with um and um you know, I called him one day and I said, hey, James, I'd love to work with you. He booked me at the Wonders Theater in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And when he saw me, he was like, I got to get you on some more shows. <laughs> and I was like, yes. So he's amazing. I love working with production companies because production companies, they really want to get you out there. They really want you right. to be successful. Um, he's just amazing to work with. Yeah. Uh, well, this, my goal is to just have somebody on here who, uh, is on the cusp of breaking through. And then when they break through, I can always brag that I had them on my show. That's, yeah. That's, you, that's, you, well, you know what? If I don't make it in comedy, I would love to do a sitcom. So many people have told me, Shelly, you need to do a sitcom. Yeah, but is that going to be a thing in as we go forward in the future? Because network television was built on Setkim, but net, network television is kind of being I mean, lost to all the streaming services now. I don't know. Well, if and it's not just that, but there's so much. Networks are ter- networks are terrified of comedy shows now because what the fuck can you even say anymore? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, think about think about the shows that Wait, were funny. Back she in was the worried day. about saying ass, and you just said, "What the fuck?" Right. I know yeah, where I can go now. I just let oh, you open the door. You can, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you, you want here. Yeah. We don't you, yeah, you can go anywhere you want to go. Cause... Potty mouth. Yeah. 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 Uh, now let's just, uh, take a moment to plug your shows. Now uh, I'll get to the November the seventeenth and eighteenth, which James wanted me to plug for you. But uh, November fifteenth at the Comedy Works in uh, Sarasota Springs, New York. Uh, then uh, Soul Joel's on the sixteenth. We were just talking about that yesterday in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And then the seventeenth and eighteenth, which are the shows that uh, James definitely wanted me uh, to talk about uh, at the. What is this? The Mach Chunk Opera House in Jim Thorpe. Yeah, it's Mach- famous. It's a famous opera house. Yeah, really. Are, are you familiar with GD? It's in your neighborhood. Well, not your neighborhood, but it's in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. I've Close never to. heard of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Really, Jim Thorpe? No, I know who Jim Thorpe is. You yeah, never he- heard of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania? N- no, I didn't even know he had a town. I didn't. I, no. Wow, I'm floored. Uh, you do a lot of shows in PA, though. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really wicked. Uh, it's a pretty. Thing. And I do a Never lot of shows in my Jim PJs Thorpe, and and in shorts and suits. It, so yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Mock Chunk Opera House. I never heard of it, but now that is not like a comedy club, though, right? So the uh, have you no, played I these think kind it's of an opera house? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> have you played these kind of venues before? And is that uh, do you have a, a preference on that? Because I I think comedy clubs were designed specifically. 
for that experience that, you know, more uh, con- conducive to uh, enjoying comedy than, say, an opera house or a theater type of thing? Well, um, I think with, uh, and that's a great question because you're right, comedy clubs, they're, they're used to, people are used to coming in, they know what they're coming in for, um, but but I, yes, I have done opera houses, I've done theaters, um, and I love to do uh, opera houses and theaters because yeah. it's, first off, it fits more people, which means more money for me. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, I, I applaud your honesty there, but that's absolutely important, I mean. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I mean, you have to be very versatile to do both. Um, you have to be able to know how to be personable in a small comedy club. And then you have to know how to work an entire huge stage and how to almost feel like you're sitting in their lap and being personable, even though you're so far away. Um, and that's the hardest part of being in, in stand up. Uh, not everybody can do uh, opera houses and theaters. Right. Now you're coming. These are pretty far north. Uh, have you played? Have you played New York and Pennsylvania and, and the Northeast uh, before? No. No. <laughs> no. Look, I'm so nervous about coming to New York because I heard it's the heckling state. Oh no, I don't no. think so. I don't and, think so at all. And uh, I'm like, are they going to understand what the hell I'm saying? Oh yeah, I think yeah. they. I think um, Southern accents are. Um, Adorable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I think they, they are very attractive to, to audiences here. And I think you'll do well. I just, it's, yeah. it's kind of weird when you come out of your comfort zone and out of wherever, because a lot of the rest of your dates that, that are listed here are Tennessee and Arkansas and stuff like that. And I can see that that could be, you can get into a comfort zone coming out of your comfort zone. is the only time you grow. And this, this is, uh, should be an interesting a little jaunt for you in, in Sarasota yeah. Springs, New York, and Pennsylvania, yeah. and all. And yeah. I'm going to be my first time in um, Illinois and Rosemont at Zanies. I'm going to be there too, so that's going to be Zanies. Nice. Yeah, I did Zanies in Nashville, sold it out. I, I love Zanies. Really? Zanies is so much yeah. fun. Very cool. Now, uh, so do you have to do all the marketing and promotion for your show, your shows yourself? A lot, because uh, you, uh, you brought up Zanies, and I'm thinking of a comedian I know who uh, he plays Zanies quite a bit, but he doesn't draw. He's very good. He's very good, but he doesn't draw, and then he always blames it on the promotion. Like, the club didn't promote me well. And I think we've reached a time where, I know it's a very long-winded question. We've reached a time where, uh, clubs don't give a shit about uh, promoting you. It's all on you. Is it all, all on you? Um, I will say there are some clubs out there that are like that. Um, that and that's the good thing about working with promoters versus a club is um, a club. I just dealt with that in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I went to a club and they there was no promoting at all. I mean, nothing. So you're spending your money to boost post. You're spending your money. And it's like, what happened to clubs? I mean, without the comedians, you don't have a club, dude. You, right. You're not, not going to sell. Why don't like, you have an established audience? Like, no. like if I go yeah. somewhere and they have like and they have shows all the time, but nobody comes to your shows. Well, your shows must suck then. Because otherwise, you would have an established audience that like continues to come back. 
That's like full circle, though, what we were talking yeah. about, because they hire these social media sensations who are kids yeah. who don't really have any. And then people come and they say, well, that show sucked, and they're not going back. So you don't get these habitual comedy club goers. Right. Right. And so, I mean, uh, and I'm not saying all comedy clubs do that because there are some comedy clubs, um, you know, that will will work with you, that want you to be successful, that want you to do well, that are excited about you being there. And then some of your comedy clubs are like, you're on your own. I'll, I'll do one post and then I'm going to take it out of your pay a thousand dollars for promotion. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, I, uh, again, you know, this happened in the Midwest. So it was, but we had Alex Hooper come to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The club, uh, like, they did, nice guy. they did a bunch of posts on Facebook. They did a bunch of the little handbill flyers that me and that comedian, Alex Hooper, who's been on America's Got Talent, who's been on Comedy Central, like, and we sold seven tickets to that show. And I mean, the club promoted it, and we even did some street promoting the evening of the show, and seven tickets. I loved, loved his uh, work back in the seventies when he did schools out, uh, and you know, <laughs> no more Mister Nice Guy, Alice, Alice Cooper. You say this is really? I must really not enunciate Hooper. Well, I got like a like a basketball player. Uh, Hooper. Right. Nah, I, I know who you're talking Hooper. about. I just I just know I just Hooper like pissing, from Whoville. I just like pissing Sorry. you off about this stuff. But um, you really do. It's just like <laughs> I'm watching you just go downhill. Just I'm yeah. just watching you just <laughs> as he's asking you. Oh this. my god. Yo, we could do it. We could do a well, meltdown. You're, you're, you're muted. Well, you're muted. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, uh, the moon with you. Uh, no, but this Alex Hooper guy, uh, he was on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't. You know, this kind of plays back into this. Uh, not people not showing up to your shows. He's angrily ranting at the fans for not coming to his show on Twitter and yelling at his fans and and belittling his fans for not. Showing up to support him. I mean, that's not going to help. <laughs> no, it's not going to help. But that I've was seen... that was Alex Cooper doing that. Alex Cooper, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's Alex funny because Alex Cooper. I, Cooper. I, he was pretty popular in Baltimore, in the Baltimore area. I think he may be from the Baltimore area. I'm not sure. And he's like, it's, he, I thought he. I watched. I opened for actually opened for for Craig Gas, and and Alex Cooper was on the thing. But Alex Cooper was like frantic. His comedy is like a real frenetic style. And he was like for like 20, 25 minutes in a row, just constant frenetic. And I just was like, okay, after five, after 10 minutes, we're like, okay, he was like funny, but you just get, but you don't have time to laugh because he's like, he says something before you get to laugh at it, he's moved on to the next thing. Before you get to laugh at that, he's moved on to the next thing. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't care that you're not laughing. He just wants to get all this material out in like 15 minutes. Yeah, that you have to give the audience uh, room to laugh, and you have yeah, to you not step, step on, on your own. You yeah, step, step on the laugh. Step on your own laughs. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, good, hey, good, good material, laugh, but he, yeah, a good laugh is like a good stew. You gotta let it savor. You just gotta <laughs> savor the moment. You gotta let them enjoy it, and you. And not only does a crowd have to enjoy it, but you have to enjoy it and know that that crowd is laughing and. Enjoy it. Know that you your joke just hit. It was right. great, and love it. Everybody love it. Okay, Shelly. Now, other than laughter, you you just did, you just nailed the joke. 
you didn't you, you not, other than the laughter what's your favorite response you would hear from the audience other than laughter um i would i would have to say um probably a good old snort <laughs> yeah. you know, i get it just like i can't even I, i'm i don't know if that's included in the laugh, but for yeah. people just to give the biggest and they're like <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, yes. Molly Denwood like did the same thing. She was here two weeks ago, and she said that's her favorite thing when when somebody yeah. is in the middle of a laugh and they get put out a really awkward snort like that. Like, and it's heard by the entire room. That's a, that's right. You should. I like I like YouTube. the high pitched air intake. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. go to my YouTube and watch. Um, I just posted a video um yesterday, and um. It's I'm at the loony bin and this woman is just rolling. I mean, I mean, you I mean, you can't I could not even hear myself. The audience was so loud. I had to stop. It wow. was so loud. Wow. From, I have a, a lot of women that come to my shows because I talk a lot about, you know, being a woman and getting older and what it's like being married and stuff like that. And having, I mean, you know, I talk about being on top and, and I looked over at the mirror and for the first time I saw myself and what I look like on top. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like my God, I look like something out of a, out of a, uh, out of a national Nature geographic yeah. documentary, <laughs> the, the search for Sasquatch. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I never knew that my titties look like goat udders. Uh, I, I watched that video. When you said that, I said, she stole my joke. No, I'm just teasing. No, uh, no, no, I'm just teasing. I didn't know you had goat titties. I, I, I know. It's like, I should have said, and my, my wife goes, well, you know, you're not the only one with goat tits. Okay. <laughs> so it's not. No, I'm just, no, I'm just, no, no I, 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 I watched that video. It's very funny. I'm glad you got to meet GD, actually, because today is his last day on the program. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I did. I did watch it. That I, I'm, that I didn't have enough time to watch more of your stuff. That was the only thing I got to watch of yours. But yes, it's very funny. You're very funny. Now, very funny young lady. Let me ask you uh, this: uh, with the social media stuff, do you know how you blew up on social media? Like, is there a strategy that people <laughs> who want to get more, or, or was it sheer luck? Um. I, I, I guess it was just um, sheer luck um, that I just was persistent. I, I started doing stand-up comedy or started doing social media. I started doing freaky shit men like. And so I started talking about ladies, if you, you know, call your man at work, talk dirty to him. Uh, let him pound it out when he gets home and he'll let you out your shopping cart. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. And I started doing that and and then it just started growing. Well, then one day I came home and I sat on my front porch and I'll never forget it. I sat on my front porch and I have a neighbor and her name's not really Donna, but I call her Donna. And she's the neighborhood whore. And uh, everybody talks about her. And so I said, I got home from work, sat on my front porch, and I just was like, I came home from work today. I had me a shower, or I took my bra off, gave my titties a good scratch under there. I went and had a shower, came outside, smoked a cigarette, had me something cold to drink, and I look over, and what do I see? But Donna laying in a thong bikini. 
She thinks she's a Louis Vuitton, but she's a guest. Guess what in the hell is laying out in her backyard? <laughs> and it, it hit 4.6 million views. Wow. Yeah. And then I started doing thirst trap videos. Um, the ladies really like those. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And those really blow up. I just hit a video of four. They do. Videos. I don't know what a thirst trap video is. So I'm, I'm oh, take well, that used to be the only thing that came up on my TikTok. Hell, it's probably half of why I don't even have TikTok anymore. One day... One day, like no, I say what, to my wife, "What is a thirst trap video?" So, so, so they're just they're just like girls in bikinis doing, you know, like it's a, it's a sexy girl doing not much of anything. But mine you are know the dudes I mean? with the big schlongs. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm like, God Almighty, who in the hell yeah. told me Christmas like, is coming early and guys jogging in gray sweatpants, smoked sausage? My God. You wow. know? <laughs> I must have yeah. a thirst trap filter on my phone that doesn't show me that because I, I just I, go I to my page and hit like, you'll be good. I I'll be honest, <laughs> I've never spent uh, any time on TikTok uh, looking at other people's stuff. I go go there to publish stuff and then I get right off. I I just I have no use for it. It's not for old people like me. It's, that explains it's, it because I go to TikTok and they'll tell me that Matt has done something. I will like it. I won't watch it. No point. But I will, I will I like know. it. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Like You're it. in most of them anyway, so why bother watching them? <laughs> Listen, if you're in it, it's probably not funny. Listen, do you, oh my god! <laughs> can, can you tell that southern? Can you tell that southern people when it comes to some shit happening, we just mind our business? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, my. Yeah. my, my my family is from North Carolina. Um, what part? Carteret. I've never heard of it. It's it's on the west. It's on the west. It's on the eastern side. As a matter of fact, my my great <coughs> my great aunt just had when when she passed away, they gave her her own holiday because she lived to be like 107 years old. Yeah. So wow. so Carteret, North Carolina. So I have a I do have one aunt whose accent is so thick, I don't understand the word she's saying. And so whenever she's talking, I have to look at one of the kids that was raised in Maryland to translate. Uh, I'm know. really <laughs> holding back a lot. <laughs> Are I'm you really, for real? Don't, don't tell me that. I'm really holding like, back a lot. It's, 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 you're telling me it's way thicker than I'm, what I'm you're giving us? I'm trying to be proper. No, oh, you don't have to be proper. But give yeah. it. No. Well, listen, I'm just trying to do anything to get ratings here. So if I could get, uh, whether it's a fight yeah, started, say, yeah. Uh, any, yeah. any kind of crap. If you want to slap Will with a goat tit, knock yourself out. Really? Oh, dude, my wife gets mad at me because she, I, I'm really into getting slapped in the face with tits. And, she, like, you know, she, just, she doesn't want to do that kind of thing. But she doesn't, you know. No, I don't know why I like those weird things. There's nothing wrong with a good... Titty slap. There's nothing wrong with you just talking you know, about like how you seven pounds of flesh smacked in your face. You know, Wait, you were talking about you couldn't stand to be motorboated. Isn't that the same thing as getting slapped in yes. the face with kids? Yes. No, I'm saying them motorboating me. That would be weird if they motorboated me. I like motorboating. How do you motorboat? I'm saying I don't want my girl to motorboat me, which is what GD suggested earlier. No, actually, that that's I not what I said, but that's what you heard, and I wasn't going to stop you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. 
That's what I heard. I thought you said. That's, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> but I was not going to stop you. I tried to stop you, but you were not going to stop. So I just said, Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not getting motorboated. Nobody's motorboating me. What the fuck? Yo, I will say, though, that when I was in prison and I gained a bunch of weight, I was, like, up to, like, 260. And I remember one day, you know, because I was getting bigger and, you know, my 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 man boobs were bigger than usual. And I remember looking down and my uh, – uh, hang on, my light. I unplugged my light because I stood up. Oh, my um, God. So I know. I know. I'm having technical difficulties here. You have um, technical difficulties? <laughs> so, <laughs> God damn it. All right, we'll get back to the story later. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah. no, we won't. We we don't get back to any of my stories. <laughs> well, I've told I've told a thousand half stories on this fucking well, show. That's, that's, because, <laughs> that's because they've already made a movie of your stories. It's called the Never Ending Story. Right, <laughs> the Never Ending Story. I don't like they're cutting you off. I think you cut yourself off and you just don't realize it. That's right. Thank you. Um, Yes. Yes. That's That's your ADHD at work. God bless you and bless your heart. If it works, you know what? I love, I love how you said that. Just like the old ladies at church that used to pat my head at the same time. Bless, bless your heart. So, would be a reason you're they said you're that. a I don't special think one, a good, aren't you? Good bless your heart. So yeah. just because uh, uh, Shelly was kind of uh, astonished that you started talking about prison stuff, but what I was confused by is how you how you gain weight on prison food. I mean, God, it's like uh, oh oh well because uh, because I was raised in a home where like you ate what was served. Period. Like not like. There was no complaining. There was no, I don't like this. Like, you ate what was fucking served. And so when I got to prison, prison is shit-ass fucking food that a lot of people don't fucking like. And, like, and I didn't have food at the house or in the cell or whatever. So, like, I would go to evening chow, and there'd be fucking six fucking dudes that don't want what the fuck is on that tray. So I would just fucking, because this is the only food I got. I don't have soups at the house and shit like that before I started, um, because like my first couple years in, I just did regular prison work, which is only like 25 cents an hour. So you make like $28 a month, you know, that only buys you so many fucking soups. So, you know, you don't, you know, I didn't spend my money on that kind of shit really. So I just loaded up in the chow hall because there were tons of guys that wouldn't eat that shit. And so when you're, when you're eating four to six servings every fucking night and maybe two lunches, you know what I mean? Like you, right. you gain that, weight pretty fucking fast, especially because it's all fucking pastas and breads and not not shit that's good for you. All right, you know you. what I mean? That that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how that's how you gain weight in prison. There you all go. Right. There's okay. a five minute explanation. Yeah. Shelly, I forgot, Shelly, here you go. I forgot the question I was about to ask you, so you can go ahead and make up any answer you want. Yeah. I, I, I no, forgot the question. No, Shelly, these uh, shows in uh, in Pennsylvania that you're doing. Are you? Uh, do you uh, pick your? Are you there alone, or do you you have an opener? And do you pick your openers, or uh, how does that work? So I am so blessed that a very dear friend of mine, Brandon Rainwater. Um, he is going to, uh, he called me, he normally travels with a very well-known comedian, Ginger Billy. Uh, he normally <laughs> travels with him. What was that? That was Will, <laughs> Sorry, Will, that was a dog. That oh. was Will Barking. 
And so he's um, so the guy that he usually opens for is um, taking a break for right now um, and getting ready for their next tour. So he asked, could he come with me? And he has been a huge mentor of mine. And so it's it's amazing to be able to um, do some work with the person that has mentored me. And I kind of feel funny about it because, you know, it, that you have your mentor that's going to be opening for you. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So now uh, the 17th, you're just doing one show, but on, on the 18th, you're there for two shows at, at this, uh, 8.30 and 10 p.m., right? We have yeah. Absolutely. And you know, uh, what's really weird is that I have noticed after the pandemic, and I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but after the pandemic, you know, doing two shows before the pandemic was not a big deal, right? It was just a normal thing. Now, when you do two shows, it's like the first show was sell out and then you hardly have anybody at the second show. Like nobody wants to go out to the second shows anymore. Right. I don't understand. Have y'all experienced that? Uh, I actually saw the opposite. When I, last time I was out uh, to a uh, thing where it was two shows in one night, the first show was kind of poorly attended, and then the second show was sold out. And that, But I, I hear what you're saying, but uh, late crowds seem to be a thing of the past. Like, people don't want to stay out late anymore. Right. That show went, ran to 1.30 in the morning. Which, uh, you don't see comedy shows going to 1.30. Now, if, actually, if it's a comedian I like, I would prefer the second show. Because some comedians, are actually, they have their second show is better than their first show. There's actually a oh, quality yeah. difference. And so if I know that, I will go to the one I think is the better show. But right. usually yeah, I'll go to the second up, show. You're ready to go. Right. You don't I prefer the second up, show. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, what your Jim Thorpe show? When is that? Uh, Jim Thorpe. Hold on one second. Seventeenth. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where is it, Jim Thorpe? Am I losing my mind here? I, I'm not seeing it now. Oh yeah, uh, November seventeenth and the eighteenth. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to make any promises. I'll talk to my wife about it. It's only a three-hour drive. I may come up and try to catch your show. I love that. I love that it. Now, do they do they allow black people in? Actually, I just I just checked it. There are not. There are three black people in Jim Thorpe, PA. Um, two of them are actually doing time, so they're not really resonant. All right, so they won't but, be at the show. Yeah, they won't be at the show, but. And, you know, that's something, that's another subject I want to talk about that I'm so proud of, and I want to toot my own horn. Um, you know, a lot of times in with comics, if there's a, there's black comics, white comics, Asian comics, you know, whatever. And usually the person that's performing, that's going to be the majority of your audience, right? right? I am so thankful because my comedy is, I don't talk about politics, race, religion. I don't talk, I talk about everyday life, which brings more people to your show. And I have ages from, 22 to 80 years old and I have all eth ethnic backgrounds and I'm so proud of that well, well, um, that's cool. because you don't see that at every show and yeah. and I'm just I'm so proud that that I, I can relate to everybody not right. just a certain group of people that's that's a good point now uh, what we were just talking about the 
late shows, I think, are mostly younger people. I think older people, anybody over 50 uh, doesn't want to be out late. I mean, it's, we've been conditioned now. Uh, so I think younger people are more likely to, uh, you know, take take in a later show. But that's, you know, when when I was there a couple of weeks ago, there, there were a lot of 20-somethings in the, at the late show, which surprised me. I didn't think that was a, a comedy club where... Uh, still a thing for young people on date night. You know what I mean? Well, it's see, just... my generation learned to get the hell up out of bed and go be productive and right. then and then be home by 10 o'clock and go to bed. The newer generation gets up about noon and they're working from home, you know, and they're like, yeah. you know, and then they decide to do something at 10 o'clock at night when we're trying to go to bed. They're just getting out. Absolutely. Speaking of comedy clubs, it's time to say goodbye to Gov's Comedy Club. Uh, we are on Gov's Comedy Club Network. Ben Belly is there this weekend. Go see Ben Belly from Cash Cab. Uh, anyway, bye, Gov's. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, yeah, so uh, you know what? Um, where do you go? I see your, your calendar is pretty, pretty filled up now. You're doing these shows for James. Are the rest of the shows are stuff you kind of reach out to clubs for, and uh, you're doing your own booking and all that kind of stuff. Is is that is that a pain yeah. in the ass or drag to do all that kind of extra work? Because that's not what you got into it for, right? So I, you know, I surround myself with successful people, and I surround myself with people that want me to be successful. So like with James, and I work with Mad Hatter's uh, comedy. Um, they're wonderful people and I do some shows for them. Um, and, but the majority of my shows I book myself, um, you know, I'm at the stage of my comedy career where comedy clubs are giving me a Wednesday or a Sunday to prove myself. Oh, and yeah, which really sucks. Yeah, and then book, I gotta go. Prove yourself gotta, up by working on a night when we know nobody's gonna come so we can say, see, you didn't prove yourself. Exactly. And we gave you, and we gave you a chance. <laughs> Yeah, and we gave you a chance to fail, <laughs> right? So then, um, you know, I'll I get rebooked for weekend shows once I do a week show, but yeah, I book all my own shows, um, you know, except for uh, Mad Hatters and JJ Comedy, and uh, but I like doing that, um, just because, um, I like I like knowing that through hard work and dedication. Um, you can accomplish anything, and yeah. I, I'm living proof of that. And well, very uh, cool, good for you. I was just thinking, like the the New York model uh, for for making it in comedy is to go out and really hustle and do as many showcase type nights and and look for any place that will give you five ten minutes uh, and do many of those in a night. That's a whole different strategy than your employment. And not to say that either way is right or wrong, but uh, have you considered coming to New York and, and doing a week of that kind of uh, hustle in the, in the New York City area? We have a saying in the South. Why, um, what is it? What do they call it? Why milk the cat? Why, um, what, what why is it? Why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? Yeah, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? <laughs> I'm not from the South, but I know that saying. Yeah, I, I know that one it. too. I mean, why would I mean because they're not paying you to go do a showcase. They're not paying you to do anything, and all these people are paying to get in the door, and they're buying liquor, they're buying food, and they're not, ha and they're getting all this all this entertainment and amazing comedians, and they're not having to pay a dime. I ain't doing it. I done done my time. 
No, I get it. You don't want to condition people. If the internet has taught us anything, is that if you condition people to expect stuff for free, they're not. They're going to stop paying for it altogether. I mean, exactly. So. Now, sometimes though, if it's it's kind of strange because sometimes if you do a free show, people are like, well, is that can that be worth anything? Because they're not charging, you know, as opposed mm. to it's it, it's it's just a it's just a double edged sword. Sometimes I guess if you. If you can call it a sword at all, yeah. I'm just saying. Sometimes with the price, you know, because I used to price my self-produced shows between ten and fifteen dollars, trying to get people a break. And they're thinking, well, if he's a ten to fifteen dollar comic, then how funny can it be? And the thing is, like, I'm very fucking funny. I'm trying to give you a break. You know, you can't afford to always. Sometimes some comic, yeah. I'm not as well known as some of the bigger comics, but I'm just as funny as some of them. Wait, you're a comedian. You're a comedian. I play, I give them, let's put it this way. I do a comedy show, but I charge unfunny prices so they don't, you know. Gotcha. Well, I don't charge a lot for my tickets. My tickets in average anywhere from between 20 and $25 a ticket. But, because yeah. I want everybody, I want everybody to be able to afford to come to my shows. I don't charge for meet and greets either. Right, right. Because right. I know a lot of comedians and, and, you know, I hope I don't get bashed for this. There's a lot of comedians that charge for meet and greets right. and they make a ton of money. But yeah. here's my thing. Without those fans, they've already paid to come see me. Right. Why yeah. am I going to charge yeah. you to come meet me? Right. Why am I going to come? Matter of fact, I give away stuff at my show for free. I yes. autograph stuff for free. I don't do that because I think a lot. I'm, and maybe I'm just that kind of person. I'm a humble person. I'm a thankful person. I came from humble beginnings. I mean, I was raised in a dirt poor ass family. We didn't even have a trailer park. We lived in a house with, with, with no floor in it. No kidding. Wow. And I know that everything I have is given to me by God and God alone and given to me by my fans. And I want my fans to know that I appreciate them going on this journey with me and supporting me. Because I think that's the main thing that a lot of people need to think about. Yes, you're funny. Yes, you've come a long way. Yes, people are selling out stadiums and auditorium. But don't forget where you came from. Okay, don't now, so, you, so you die, you die, you go to heaven, and God says to you, you're very funny, but you can only bring three jokes with you. Which three jokes are you bringing? None, because I'd go right to hell for all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking beautiful answer. You can't, you can't wear blue answer. in heaven. That, that's definitely that's not. You cannot do it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I admire clean comedians. I would love, I keep telling myself, I, I, a very good friend of mine, Paul Schneider, he just did a dry bar comedy. And... Um, and he is magnificent. And I look up to him and, and I'm like, I would do anything if I could do just clean comedy. But I got I got to say, I got to I can't. I got to cuss. My see, daddy was a truck driver. I you, got, assumed, you assumed that the jokes had to be clean. I just said three, three, three jokes. You, know, you can't go to heaven if it ain't clean. I'm heaven. Just who says? Can't do it. Who said, who, how many of us have ever been there? We don't know. Well, yeah, according to, I don't know if you guys caught Church last Sunday on, on this network, but uh, according to that show, it, uh, yeah, it, it's very blue. Yeah, Matthew Perry says it's a party up in heaven. He yeah. said he was doing coke off of Mother Teresa. <laughs> All right. Enough of that blasphemy. 
What I mean by blasphemy is blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah. We we do appreciate you being here, and we we well, I hope your uh, your shows in, in uh, Jim Thorpe uh, go very well, and we you know all your shows we hope all of them go very well. We appreciate uh, you being on here, and uh, good luck with your career, man. It's been thank it's, you. It's, it's great. And- and if and if your listeners want to go on uh, to my website shellybellycomedy.com right you will see my entire tour date you can see um um about me stuff so uh go check me out and you guys are so much fun oh my god i, I could just paint you and put you in my pocket i'm just like <laughs> well please come back sometime we appreciate it shellybelly.shellybellycomedy.com uh, scrolling across the bottom the link is in the description to make it easy for people i hope people will will support you and do please come back sometime thanks thank you bye y'all have a great day bye for now you know, I got to say, I'm thinking about this thing uh, because I'm wondering if the the stand on like a Tuesday night stand in New York City, I pay $15. I see Janine Garofalo. I see Joe List. I see Mark Norman and like six other really good comics all in one night there for $15. Is that hurting the industry? Cause that's a small room. There's no way they get they're all, you know, for $15, they're not getting paid big money at all maybe they're in town doing something else already and that's just like a like for them to practice yeah 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 that's what i mean they're they're doing these uh like 10 minute showcases here and there but yeah is that good and 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 maybe you know maybe they're only making like a 50 bucks or 100 you know what i mean yeah it's only something little like that they're probably getting little money you know what i mean Right, but I, if it's it's training me to expect as a consumer to expect eight, nine really good comedians for fifteen dollars on now, a Tuesday night. Yeah, but if you do, okay, I guess on a Tuesday, I, I don't know if that's good or bad for the business. As long to me, it's, if it's a good show, to me, it's all about the show that you put on for the for the customers. Right, I, I'm a terrible well, businessman. No, but he, here's man. here's the kind of confusion that I have. So I pay fifteen dollars. I get to see all these people do fifteen minutes of their best stuff, and then the next night I'm asked to pay uh, two hundred forty dollars to go see Kevin Hart at like Foxwood Casino. That's no. a big difference. I just saw nine great comedians for fifteen dollars. Now you want me to pay two hundred uh, forty dollars for right. one guy? I'm yeah, no, I don't agree well, with yeah. that stuff, though. Well, first of all, I, I mean, wouldn't I, even like, go I see don't... Kevin Hart. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even yeah. go see Kevin Hart. So you could pick another comedian. That's you know, All right, any, you know, Dave Chappelle, teasing. anybody. I'm just teasing. Yeah, I know, but yeah. a- anybody who, because the, the, the prices for some of these shows are ridiculously high right. compared yeah. to $15 to see nine nine great comedians. And I love the stand well, for that, but I'm wondering if it's. If it count up I think that. Live Nation has a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. I bet you a lot of those higher ticket prices that you see are Live Nation events. You know what I mean? Because Live Nation seems to be like this conglomerate that's just doing shows all over the fucking place now. And yeah. my guess is they have their own employees that come in and do these events or whatever, because I don't think they're employed by the venues. I think they're employed by Live Nation. Wow. So you see what I'm saying? And Live Nation is like what's really driving up the price of these fucking venues, and they have been. So, uh, uh, just for clarification here, because do do the comedians get that? You know, uh, does that mean the comedians are making more money? It's like when 
I think I think that they're getting better contracts, but I mean, it's definitely the production company is making more money. You know what I mean? Well, but I'm sure the artists are getting better contracts. But to me, like, because um, when I went when we went to the Jelly Roll concert, um, which was a Live Nation event, um, and they had a comedian that was the opener and stuff like that. It seemed like it seemed to me that like the live the Live Nation crew, like there was a whole crew of Live Nation employees that did the merch and shit like that. And, um, and so I really think that that's kind of what's driving up concert prices because they're treating these big stadium comedy shows like concerts now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, I, yeah, it, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think it's a large a large part of why like the drink prices in all these places went up because Live Nation charges I think they charge to have the event there. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think like it's a weird reverse of wh what the revenue. You know what I mean? Like the revenue is going to this production company and not to I the see place. a lot of comedians uh, angry at fans who complain about prices, and this is and. But again, when if I'm paying, if I'm asked to pay two hundred dollars a seat to go see a comedian, uh, I'm probably not going to go. But if I'm if I go, I'm if I do end up paying that, I'm you might hear me complain a little bit about right. Well, like look, like those are Matt Rife tickets. Uh, I'm going to Matt Rife in February. I have no idea how much that ticket was, but I guarantee you it wasn't cheap. Because it was it was bought during that huge explosion, and like you know, because I'll be going to one of his sold out shows that he's having in Two Falls in February, but I'm only going because a friend of mine bought tickets right away. But yeah, I mean, and it's just, and that's the other thing about it. Like, if you want to go with friends or whatever, like, like you got to make sure all your friends have an extra fucking $200. You know what I mean? Like that's a fucking hard ask. If you want to do some shit with your friends as a group. Right. See, uh, I, don't, I, I just try, honestly, I'm, I, I, I just want people to have a good time and, and I don't want them right. to be, and I don't want them to be milked for it because if you pay too much money you're going to be worried about the money as opposed, yeah. I, I guess, I guess some people are just figuring if, if a person's paying that much money, they're not walking up on stage to slap you in the face and they're not going to be heckling you. They're going to enjoy the show. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just, I just couldn't enjoy a show if I put that kind of money out. Well, I want to, I'm not going to name the club, but I went to a club uh, show recently where the ticket for the comedian was $15. They have the two drink minimum. You know, I got a cheeseburger and two Cokes and it was $90. Ninety, it's fifteen dollars for the ticket to get in. Ninety dollars for a cheeseburger and two cokes. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's fucking bananas. I know. Are you I fucking know. kidding me? I'm not. I'm not even joking, even a little bit. I, I wanted to complain. I wanted to complain about that. I don't want to seem like a cheapskate, but yeah, ninety dollars for a cheeseburger and two cokes. I, I didn't even look. At, I'm wondering were the cokes fifteen dollars each? I mean, uh, were they charging me like? Because I wasn't drinking alcohol. They, 
like cocktail prices. For bro, you. they had to put somebody else's shit on your ticket, bro. That's why. That's that's part. That's probably why in some venues where I got paid, I got paid in food because the food was much more than. That. He said, "You know how much you charge for a burger? We just pay, get paid you three hundred bucks by giving you those." <laughs> I gotta well, say, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even it, think it about was that. one of the best burgers I've ever eaten in my life. I'll be honest with you. It was it was it was yeah, like a burger made no in heaven. burger worth ninety fucking dollars. No, I've been to, yeah. to the Fountain Blue in Miami, which was uh, the hotel room was nine hundred dollars a night, and uh, hot dogs were thirty five dollars for a hot dog by the pool. Uh, uh, but yeah, and those weren't that good. But you're right. So no, I didn't. How pay much? If, I'm sorry. If I'm paying that much money for a hot dog, it had better been cooked in the pool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I'm paying that much money for a hot dog, it better be in my booty. What? what? No, that's not. Just yes, in case sorry. anybody thinks I'm like humble bragging about being rich or something, I didn't pay for any of that shit. That that was paid for by the uh, the hair. I was working in the hair and beauty industry, and they paid for my whole trip for it. So I I wasn't paying nine hundred dollars a night for. A hotel room. I have a I have a strange question. Uh oh. What what sort of steps would we need to take to get media credentials for like Mind Dog TV or something? Well, that's a good question. It uh, I and the answer is I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, I would I would love to find this out. Uh, about how hard or about yeah, what like John got it for for the Howard Stern show and was able to get into press conferences and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. I, I would love to be able to do that. Yeah, because we, we don't bro. have somebody to send there. First of all, we don't have. Yeah, 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 send me, send me, send me, send this guy. You don't have professional video camera and microphones and stuff, though. That and you're in fucking Grants, New Mexico. It's not like fucking press uh, press conferences. I'll go. I'll go. Listen, have, did you not know how well I travel? I'll go wherever you want me to go. We'll right? send you to DC. <laughs> now we have to get you a camera and mic, but we'll send you to DC, and you can go ask Tim Scott about his girlfriend. Like, how much you pay for that girlfriend? Where, what corner did she work at? And stuff like that. <laughs> I would love to for you ask uh, Lindsey Graham. Like, go go to a Lindsey Graham like press conference and say, uh, "How do you feel about your party being uh, against trans people when you are one?" <laughs> seriously, seriously, that would be because he would fucking blow up. Like, you know, you know how right. he gets. He gets all fucking and right. uh, clutches pearls. He be, he'd be giving you that like that minister thing outside. The, you 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 talk about my private plane. That shit, that crazy ass guy, Kenneth, whatever his name is, Kenneth Copeland, is that his name? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I you're have, talking is about. That, is they, that the they, I have seen yeah. before you? Dude, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I would love to put yeah. Kenneth Copeland on front street. Let me draw the devil out that dude because that dude's got a devil in him for sure. I will draw that dude out. We got to figure out how to get press credentials. <laughs> getting the camera and microphone to you would be not a problem, and getting you a Greyhound bus ticket to where. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, my wife, will, my wife will tell you, I'll walk up and talk to fucking anybody. Yeah. Like I have no qualms about approaching people. Like I, I don't know. I just listen. I took uh, they when I was in school. They I had to take social skills class. Like one period a day. I had to go to a special room to take the social skills class because, like, I'm a different person. Like, I like it, it. I've always behaved differently than the other people around me. We've noticed. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> did you? <laughs> and, uh, 
Yo, listen, I don't know what's wrong with me other than a lot, okay? <laughs> like, right. like, so, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just don't have that thing in me that says, hey, you shouldn't. And even when I do have that thing in me that says, hey, you shouldn't do that, there's another voice in me that's like, yeah, why not? That sounds like fun. That sounds like a good idea, you know? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, So are you guys both going to be here tomorrow? Yeah. All right, wait, tomorrow. Wait. Tomorrow's an interesting yeah. day. Tomorrow's an interesting day. Uh, we have Autumn Carper, who is a uh, comedian. I think she's based in Ohio uh, for the first guest. But then the second guest is Darlene Green. Darlene Green, she was sent to me by uh, a publicist who definitely handles uh, the, the crazy people. <laughs> the scale of light guy. Remember the scale of light guy? Yeah. Yeah, he his representative sent me. Now she's got this thing about using your own stem cells to get young again, and how uh, how we can utilize our own stem cells to reverse aging process and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting conversation because you know I'm pretty skeptical and can give these people a hard time. The scale of light guy, I kind of reamed him. Uh, GD, you weren't here for the scale of light guy. Do you know about this guy? Yeah, no, I remember that scale of light episode. That shit was fucking You scan hilarious. a picture of yourself and put it in this uh, machine this guy built, and it's supposed to be able, like, you just send me your picture. Say, so GD right. sends me his picture. I put it in the machine. The machine scans it and finds out everything that's wrong with you health-wise and cures you. you. Yeah. Heals you, yeah. Remote, like, remote. Like, uh, you don't have to come to the office. It's just find you out in the universe and say, oh, Tell him what you did, Matt. Tell him what you did. What did I do? I don't remember what I did. Oh, I sent, sent him, him a picture. picture. I sent him a picture of my son who was already passed away. Uh, he never got back to me about that. He get, I all I got was a bunch of stuff signed up for my newsletter, signed up for oh. promotional stuff. But he never got back and said, uh, we found the cure for, for your whatever ails you. But. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I, that was one. Is this like Curlian? Because there's, there's this thing called Curlian photography. And. And I didn't know this was anything. This no, is a, this is, this guy invented this. It looks like a just a typical scanner or copy. Dude, it, 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 it's so it looks so janky. It yeah. Like, <laughs> and it, it looked like it looked like it looked like something they pulled out during class during science class in the seventies. Yeah, or, I was I was at, really harsh to the guy. Like I, you know, it feels like a yeah. flat out. Feels like you're scamming people. It's like a fraud. Like you got to be nuts to fucking partake in yeah. this. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like it felt like Will Smith in um, the Pursuit of Happiness selling his bone density machines. Man. You know what I mean? Like what the fuck, man? Like how, and asking him how it works. Like don't give me just fucking mumbo jumbo. Give me the technique. <laughs> Because the universe is filled with energy and it just knows your energy. <laughs> Don't give me that fucking shit. You're scanning my picture. You're going to fix my cancer from... Oh, no, he didn't save cancer. It doesn't fix cancer, right? Well, it was like... Yeah, only, yeah. There, yeah, like only cereal. <laughs> yeah. The common so, cold, we can do that. We can knock the cold out. We can do the cancer, no. But it may take yeah. a few weeks. Right. So this lady is going to tell me how to get younger with stem cells. So it should be a, an interesting ride tomorrow morning. Get yeah, Evelyn is right. It did look like a glorified fax machine. That's right. Now, Matt, have you ever dealt with anyone who talked about um, spontaneous human combustion? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. okay. I, 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 I'm going to go. I got to right. get out of here. All right, I'm, go I'm spontaneous humanly combust. 
All right. <laughs> you know what? We'll leave that discussion for tomorrow as well. Yes, I have had people, the Spinal Tap uh, drummer. Uh, I have had all nine of the Spinal Tap drummers on. They all uh, spontaneously. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's going to be the shows for tomorrow. So it's going to be an interesting one. I, I look forward to that. And then Friday, uh, Monday, our 500th program, Andy Anders, uh, my personal Bill Murray, uh, will be here uh, on Monday. So we look forward to that. Now I'm, I'm throwing you out. Okay. All right, get out. No, if you're throwing me out, go ahead. Yeah, I'm on fire. yeah go, go take care of your hair or something. Go get, go get your pubic hair done, all right? All right, see you later. Thanks for being here. Uh, that's the show for today. Let me just take this out of the, um, the, the banner out, and then I will tell you to go turn on your radio. Now, as I mentioned, tomorrow's going to be a great show. And, and don't forget, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the kids. Uh, Monday, our 500th program should be an exciting one. Andy Anders will be here. And I just screwed myself out of uh, telling you how to turn on your radio. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get out of here. Go turn on your radio. All right.
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.